0: Right, let's have a little look. Now, I did say I've got a very special guest in, and I have. And he holds the unique position of being the founding executive master, Wellington College, Hangzhou. Now, Paul, that is great. And his name is Paul Rogers. (laughs) I should have said that. His name is Paul Rogers. And I've been trying to get you in for a long time. I mean, you've been in in on, on the master's voice and updates and stuff like that. But I wanted some private time okay where
1: yeah. w- we
0: mm. chat about you
1: well i'm very happy to be here baz and um i'm very happy to talk about myself <laughs> myself <laughs> um so thanks for inviting me yeah, okay. it's great to be here and i did ask you
0: it's not an easy thing actually I j- and mm. it was quite uh you know i sent you a message and said i'd love to have you in can you pos- possibly put together Five, five, half dozen tunes, and it's not the easiest thing in the world. No, no,
1: it's it's very difficult, and that's why I got the songs back to you so late, Baz. You know, because I was thinking about it again and again. So. You know, if you ask me again now, I'd probably give you five different songs. So those are the five songs, you know, I settled on last night when I sent them to you. But uh, they're, they're all good songs.
0: They're great songs. I was uh, listening and I was moved. Moved. Lovely. Yeah, really. I know, you said you were. Yeah. And I was
1: moved that you were
0: moved as well. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that piece of music in a minute. But... but um From my point of view, I've learned things about you I didn't know. I remember I was walking around. We were setting up when the parents were about to come, Mm. and you had a cello.
1: Yeah, no, I I I play play the cello. I think think you saw me with an electric cello, which uh, Rachel, my wife, um, bought for me as a special surprise about a year ago. So, yeah, I play the cello. I've played the cello for a long time now. My mum used to play the cello. My sister plays the cello. Um, so, yeah, I guess it was a big part of my life when I was growing up and playing in, in amateur orchestras as well and semi-professional. So um, I don't play as much now as I should do, unfortunately.
0: Well, uh, it was it was very beautiful. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not musical, though I appreciate music and mm. I've tried to play and learn, but it just isn't there.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, if you've got musical parents and uh, my mum used to be a music teacher, my dad ended up singing in the choir with her when he retired, so, you know, it was a big part of their lives. My sister was actually a music therapist until um, she branched off into, um, you know, other, other roles, very similar roles. But a music therapist is, is, a, is a really unique type of um, job where you're basically helping children, or, or in her case it was mostly children, to articulate themselves through music so they, they, they weren't able to articulate themselves you know, uh, verbally, so it was through music. So she'd sit in a room and bang drums with them and, and bang the piano and all sorts of things, and that's how they, you know, as I say, that's how they articulated themselves.
0: And it doesn't, it's not about making a tune, is it?
1: No, no. It's just, it's just about relieving stress or, or, or um, mm-hmm. being able to express your happiness at a certain time. It's just being able to do things you can't normally do um, verbally. So you come from this musical background. Yes, in a word, yes. In a word, yes,
0: <laughs> yes. And has your musical background affected the your choice
1: of music? Um, no and yes. I mean, I would have put a lot more classical music on there, but because you know most classical music is quite long, it didn't seem the right thing to do for this show. So there's one piece of classical music on there, which is about eight or nine minutes. Uh, even then, I was thinking, should I put it on or not? Um, you know, nowadays, most people's... Um, uh, ability to listen to things seems to get less and less, including my own. So, you know, that's, that's going for the top limit, eight minutes, I think.
0: Well, this is your, this is your section mm. on the show, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll play it unadulterated. We will play the whole lot. Um, I would like to talk to you about how you became a teacher because sometimes when you, when you get to a very high position,
1: people forget that you were a teacher. They do. I think you forget as well at times. Um, and I look back at it now and I think I was probably happiest when I was a teacher. Um, at the time I didn't realize it. But, you know, you, you have so much fun when you are a class teacher and you're building up those relationships with the children and you have um, that huge responsibility. But when, you know, when when something goes well and you can see that they're all learning and they're happy and they're content, I mean, there's nothing better than that. When you're a principal or a head teacher, you don't always see that um, at first hand. You're facilitating the teachers to be able to do that, but you don't feel it yourself so much. So, yeah, I was a class teacher, um, never really intended to be a class teacher because my parents were both teachers. And when you're growing up, um, you're going home and your parents are both absolutely exhausted (laughs) because, you know, it is a very, very tiring job to do well. Um, You know, it's the last thing you want to do. So it was never my intention to become a teacher. But... I guess I just got sort of sucked back into it, really.
0: Uh, And what was your actual specialism?
1: Um, Well, mainly music. I mean, I was a class teacher, but I I specialised in music, so I was the guy that was always playing the piano in assemblies. Um, I was the guy that everybody was coming to and saying, please, can you teach my music lesson? Because nobody else wants to teach music. So, yeah, um, and that was fun. I mean, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, playing the hymns in in, in school and, 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 you know, song practice, getting them to learn songs as well was great, great fun. What was your favourite hymn? Um, Probably Colours of Day, but not because it's a good song. It's just that every school I went to, we always sang that song. (laughs) And, you know, I could play it in my sleep now on the piano.
0: (laughs) Now, let's talk about your first piece of
1: music. Yes. Okay. Um, Okay, well, it's it's by a friend of mine called Stu and... um, You know, I started going to a church in Malaysia called um, Holy Trinity Bukit Bintang. And Holy Trinity actually comes from Bromley in the UK. So they have very, very close links with them. And, you know, Rachel, my wife, is very religious. And I'm sort of religious, but not in the same way as she is, I guess. But. You know, I just love going to those Sunday services and the music was absolutely brilliant. And Stu, the next song you're going to hear is, is a song that Stu composed. Um, you know, it's been in the Apple charts, number two or whatever. But I think when you, when you heard it as well, you said to me it, it was sending, you know, shivers up your spine. It, it's a really, really beautiful song. And it's even more beautiful because Stu composed it. And I can remember, you know, sitting there, standing there in the church, singing along, and it's, it's a really nice memory of KL.
2: I have this peace That runs so deep Fixed within my soul You will not let go I have this hope That cannot fail It will never waver, it will never
1: That is beautiful. It is beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. Imagine being able to compose that. I mean, that I, if I could do one song like that throughout my whole life, I would be happy. Good, good.
0: I'm sure you will, actually. <laughs> it'll, it'll come <laughs> well, to you. Well,
1: yeah. Maybe I have, actually. Yeah, maybe you
0: have. Because <laughs> uh, you actually did a, a, a theme tune for... Huey didn't you? Oh, it? the
1: school song. Yes, yeah. I, I can imagine a few people listening to this and thinking, "Oh, here it he goes again." But no, <laughs> you brought it up, Baz. I did. Yes, I did compose the school song, the Huey school song, and good old Alejandro is, um, is is practicing that with the pupils again. So I'm really, really pleased about that because um, you know, I mean, it, it's good to have a school song. It means a lot to the children, I think.
0: It's something that that they can say that belongs to us. Yeah, it's identity.
1: Yeah, and that's important.
0: Now, let's talk about, you said, you know, whenever there was a a song to be played, Mm. you you were called upon. And you were in,
1: was this an English school or was this? Um, Yeah, I mean, I started my career, goodness knows how long ago, um, in Brighton. So I was, um, I don't know if you remember, there was a a hurricane about 25 years ago in, in the U.K., and the weatherman, Michael Fish, was the guy who said, I've heard reports, there's a hurricane on the way, but there isn't a hurricane, don't worry about it. Well, that was in my fourth or fifth week of, uh, of teaching when I started my career. And I remember during the night, um, it sounded like a nuclear war was going off and I was sort of half dreaming, half awake. And I woke up and the next day I went to school and there was no school left. This was in um, Woodingdean Dean in, in Brighton, completely destroyed. Um, so that was a real experience at the beginning of my career. Um, So we had to move to another school, and then we were working in porter cabins and all the rest of it. So, um, yeah, I was there for two years in Brighton. Then I traveled around the world for three years. Um, I decided to to do it. If I didn't do it, then I would never do it. So I was three years um, working as an English-language teacher. So I was in Australia for a year, year and a half, Um, Japan, and various other places. Came back to the UK and basically worked as a class teacher for ten years. So Salisbury, just north of Salisbury, um, an army garrison school called Lark Hill, which is the closest school to Stonehenge. So we could just walk to Stonehenge in those days, which was fantastic. Um, and I, as I say, I was there for 10 years. Then decided in 2002 to travel abroad again as, as, as hopefully as a head teacher. I got a position as a head teacher in Kobe in Japan. So a very, very small school, Christian school. Um, only 130 children at the time, but lovely, lovely atmosphere, fantastic people, and I was there for for two years, um, a really, really wonderful two years. Um, But then I got the opportunity to open up a new school with GEMS, so GEMS sent me to Libya, which is not really the experience I was expecting, but, you know, it was a good experience for me.
0: What's GEMS?
1: GEMS is an educational group. Um, like Wellington, I, well Wellington, our Wellington, and edu- well of course we are um, but they, they are a, a group who go, who have opened up a lot of schools around the world um, originally I think they, they, their first school was in India they've opened up schools in, in um, UAE as well so a fairly large group and they wanted op- to open up a school in Libya in Tripoli so I thought it was going to be quite interesting and exciting and it was to be there for two years so that was um, Libya, then went back to, um, where did I go after that? Slovakia, and was head of primary in Bratislava, which is a wonderful, wonderful city. I was there for, a, for about two years. Then opened up a school in Japan, as I opened up with a group. We opened up um, a school in Makuhari, which is not far from Turkey. I was there for six years. Then Malaysia, opened up a school there in Kuala Lumpur, which is where I met my, my wife. And then here to work here in Hangzhou, and I've been here for three years, as you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here fascinated by this. Um,
1: when you went to, to Japan, for instance, did you, mm. did
0: you speak the language?
1: Um, well, the first time I didn't. Uh, you know, absolutely not. So, But then after 10 years of being in the UK, I'd actually met my first wife there in Japan. So she came back with me to the UK. Um, you know, she spoke Japanese and a little bit of English, so mostly Japanese. So I had to learn Japanese in order to talk to her. We had three children whilst we were in the UK, and they spoke mostly Japanese and some English. So yes, I I learnt some Japanese.
0: Oh wow! I mean, what, what a wide and varied career. We're not even we haven't we just haven't we just touched on it, haven't we?
1: Yeah, well I suppose I suppose so. I mean, when I when I look back at it, yeah, it is a fairly varied career, and certainly not what I expected. Again, when I was a class teacher back in the UK, I thought I would be a class teacher for life. I remember. Um, going abroad, um, and then coming back. I actually came back um, between those jobs abroad just to have another term, to have a term in a UK school in Southampton, just just to refresh myself and to see what it was like. And I remember a teacher saying, oh, I, I hear you're going to go to this place called Bratislava next term, and you're going to work there in Slovakia. How do you do that? I mean, how is it possible to do that? And, of course, all the teachers now who work here will, will, will laugh at that, but, you know... There are a lot of teachers who, who actually can be quite scared of that and think, you know, how do you get a job abroad? When reality, as we all know, it's not that difficult. Um, uh, is advertised in the Times Educational Supplement. But I suppose the first time you do it, it can be a little bit of a risk. It feels a bit of a risk because back in the UK, as a class teacher, I was fairly safe. Everything was done for me. Uh, I was in my comfort zone.
0: Sometimes it's better to be pushed and not be in your comfort zone.
1: I think so. I think it makes you a better teacher, certainly. Um, I mean, teaching is all about sharing your experiences as well, and and having those experiences, I think, broadens your horizons, makes you question things more, and and as I say, I think it makes you become a better teacher. So I'm very, very glad it happened, but totally surprised it did.
0: Isn't it funny how, you know, you look back at things, and and like like you've just said, Mm. you're surprised it happened. Yeah. But you've done things that, well... And you've been in situations. Didn't you have um, a a bad... um, It's this weather thing again, isn't it? Didn't you have a bad time in in Japan?
1: Well, we we, we had typhoons quite regularly, but that's normal in in Japan. Um, As are earthquakes. I mean, we had earthquakes almost every day. But again, if you're Japanese, I mean, you take it in your stride. And that's one of the reasons, I think, why Japanese people are so tough and stoical, because they're used to that. And they bounce back from hardships. But yeah, we had the Fukushima um, tsunami when I was there. And that was a huge experience. The school was closed down for three weeks. We had radiation. Uh, we had to um, basically move a lot of the earth around the school. I remember going back to my house after 36 hours after the um, earthquake, and uh, my house was built on, on, on reclaimed land. And basically there's this thing called liquef- liquefaction, where all the the ground underneath underneath the house, which is mainly sand, liquefies comes up to the surface, so all of the foundations under the house had basically moved, and the house was actually tilting.
2: Mm.
1: We couldn't open the doors or the windows because the frames were bent, and a lot of the houses in the local area were the same, so there were people who couldn't even go back into their houses. But I think it brings you all together, you know, queuing up for water in a very orderly manner um, for the next three or four weeks, helping people to remove sand from their houses and so on is, is, is really... You know, it's what brings you together as a community.
0: Was there any... I mean, it sounds as though nobody was damaged in all this, but I'm sure people were...
1: Yeah, I mean, I knew, I knew people who'd passed away, who people who died, um, who were working further north in that area, um, who nobody knew what happened to. So clearly they were caught by the tsunami. And I think a lot of people I know um, knew people who, who, who hadn't survived very very sad when something like that happens because you just it is it is and I but I think it you know in a purely selfish manner I think it toughens you up and I think in terms of things like COVID-19 which we've all been suffering from around the world and and of course here in China originally I mean I think it enables you maybe to sit back and see the bigger picture and not overreact and 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 take it in your stride and I think that's what we've certainly done here in, in in Wellington College Hangzhou. I'd
0: like to come back to, to the COVID side of things. Mm. Uh, but uh, if we may, can we talk yeah. about a second
1: tune? Certainly we can. Remind me which is the second uh, tune. The second
0: tune is uh, somebody I have not heard of, and I listen to the music. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Jacko Pastorius.
1: Oh, right, yes. Well, I do uh, attempt to play the bass guitar as well. <laughs> mm. um, and I love the bass guitar, and he's just one of those great icons a really interesting man, um, and and he was probably the first guy who actually was was playing a fretless bass. I mean, he just took out, um, you know, he he took out with pliers um, the frets on on a, on a guitar, filled them all up with polyfiller or whatever it was, and, and he was the first, probably not the first, but one of the first fretless bass players, and, and he's he's you know he's renowned as being a real icon um, for for bass players now.
0: I wondered why the sound was different, and I couldn't work it out. I thought, have I, have I got that? is that a good quality recording? It was. It was great. And it just sounded so different. Yeah.
1: And it's just, it's, just, it's just the riff. It's just the bass line. And I also like it because my, my little baby, Abigail, who's um, 14 months old, she, she loves this as well, so she'll just dance her way to it because she just likes the rhythm and, 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 and the sound and the tone quality.
0: Well, let's hear you mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you. Did you know that was recorded in Japan?
1: No, I didn't know until you told me. But it doesn't surprise me because Japanese love jazz. So, wow.
0: Uh, <laughs> and I, I now have a new jazz person to listen to, which yeah. is great. I, every day's a learning day. Every day's a learning day, especially <laughs> at this school. <laughs> very true. Very true. Now, talking about school, you you said that you went back to England after being abroad. Yes. And then you went away
1: again. That's right. Why was that? Um, well, my 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 wife was Japanese, and although she liked a lot of things about the UK and England, I mean, she wanted she she just missed Japan. She wanted to go back to Japan. So, um, of course, you know, if if your wife's not happy, you go back. Um, and I, I I did I did, and as I said, I got a job as a head in a small school. You know, things didn't work out, um, but we're still you know on great terms. And, you know, our kids were very happy to be in Japan. I mean, it was a bit of a shock for them because they'd been born in the UK. But they're very, very happy now. They're very Japanese and they speak Japanese all the time and a little bit of English. And I go back when I can. I mean, obviously, at the moment, it's so, so difficult. And I haven't been back for a while, but I'm itching to go back and see them as soon as I can.
0: Well, let's talk about COVID because that's affected Mm. the whole world. Yeah. And our school in particular... Um, I was following it from a distance because I couldn't get back. Mm. But it was—it seemed to be very, very well
1: organised to get everybody back. It must have been a a, a nightmare job. Well, I I think we have a great team. I mean, let's be honest. We have a great SLT. We have a great non-academic team here at the school. Um, Everybody was calm and collected. We were getting the right information. And we were supported by central office. And they were calm and collected. So I think as a group of schools we approached it in the right way we didn't panic as i said we, we we analyzed the information we were very clear about when we think is the right time for for staff to come back if they can and if they couldn't come back that was reasonable as well um, and most of the staff were able to do that so you know i, I think we did the best we could in, in a really really tricky situation
0: because there was a lot of working behind the scenes with the the local a education authority amount,
1: a huge amount And again, don't forget here, there are two educational authorities we we deal with, if deal is the right word. Um, We have good relationships with. So there's the Shaoshan Education Bureau and there's the Hangzhou Education Bureau. And sometimes they may clash a little bit on what they expect or what they think is the right approach. Um, But we have, like I said, we have really, really good relationships with them and the local government and uh, the local police and so on. So um, we worked our way through it. Uh, it wasn't easy, but we worked our way through the situation.
0: Well, I was talking to uh, to people explaining how I came back, and they said, ah,
2: mm. you're
0: from Wellington? I went, yes. They have a very good relationship with their uh, education authorities. I yes. Thought, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <which is laughs> well,
1: no, I mean, that's, that is really good to hear, and I think it's worth working on. And, yes, they, they think very highly of us as a school, as a group of schools, because don't forget we have three schools within Wellington College Hangzhou um, and we try to maintain that good relationship because uh, I think it's very, very important for the future development of the schools as well. Now, you mentioned three schools. Interestingly,
0: when I first came here, mm. I, I didn't realise there were three schools.
1: Yes, no, there are. There are two bilingual schools. So there's the Hui Li, um Nursery Hangzhou, there's the Huili School Hangzhou, and there's the Wellington College International Hangzhou. So two of those, yes, are bilingual and one is purely international.
0: It was very interesting for me because I would say to people, oh, can I come around and do an interview with you? And they'd say, oh, well, uh, we, we work in the nursery. And I'd, mm. go, I'd go, hold on, where's the nursery, I'd say. <laughs> and I'd, I'd say. Uh, oh, oh, on the Hangzhou campus, yeah. Well, I'm on the Hangzhou campus, yes. and, and we're all
1: together. Of course, and I think we are all together. Um, and we all feel together. Uh, and I think, um, you know, that's one of the great things about being on the same campus. If you, if you look at Shanghai, they may say that one of their challenges is they're not all on the same campus. I don't know. They may not say that. But I, I think for us, it is a bit of a benefit that we can all you know, get together and can meet together and talk about things that are relevant to all three schools.
0: I, I must also say mm. I and my, my wife feel very, very safe back in China.
1: Great. I mean, that is good to hear. And I've heard stories about, yes, teachers and non-academic staff who've been abroad. And and I, th- you know, for me as well, I feel very, very safe here in China. I think one of the great things is that um, when people are asked to do things, they tend to do them. Um, and that's one of the reasons, perhaps, why um, China is such a in such a safe situation at the moment. Definitely. Let's have a let's have a talk about your Ludwig. Ah, oh, my Ludwig. Your Ludwig. My Ludwig van Beethoven. Yes. Well, I've chosen um, a, a piece of classical music, so apologies to those people who may be listening who don't maybe like classical music as much, but this is, um, this is one of his string quartets. And you know many people would say that perhaps his, his late string quartets, you know are, are some of the greatest classical music ever written. So I've chosen the cavatina, which is from his opus 130, and it's a, just a beautiful standalone movement. Uh, of course, in the whole scheme of things in, in that in that work, which is six movements, if you take the grosser fugue as well, which is another great piece of music it, it it works, but it also works as a standalone piece of music, very romantic, very, very unique uh, and i I just think very very um, uh, very special. That is beautiful. It is absolutely gorgeous, isn't it? And to think, sorry to interrupt, Baz, but to think that that guy, you know, Beethoven was deaf when he composed that. It's just truly, truly remarkable.
0: So he must have thought about, Mm. heard the music in his head.
1: Well, he'd spent so long listening to music anyway, so it wasn't difficult for him, I guess, to imagine um, the sounds. But... But you know there was no opportunity for him to see how those sounds linked together. So four different instruments sometimes play more than one note at a time to see how that interacted together. He he, he had to base it on his judgment, his experience, um, and it, it, it's for me it's a perfect piece of music.
0: It's very beautiful and it's from you mentioned the word
1: love. It's called the album's called Beethoven in Love. Right. Well. <laughs> I'm not sure I agree well, that that's interesting. I mean for me it is just Beethoven's trinkwater opus one thirty.
2: <laughs>
1: and always and always will be and, and
2: always, always will sh- be.
0: And always should be. Mm. Um, we talked about many and wide and very different different things. Covid is is the most recent, but there are changes taking place now. Absolutely, Yeah. Do you want to bring us up to speed with that?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, this is my last week here, so, I mean, Kath is well, she's already taken over. Kath, who was the principal of the international school, so she is the new master here, doing a fantastic job and will do a fantastic job as the school moves forward. And I'm I'm there to support if needed. Um, But I'm moving to Shanghai, really to help oversee um, new school projects. Um, So, you know, uh, it's no secret that Um, We're looking at more bilingual schools um, in Jiashan and Nantong, and that's very, very exciting. And, you know, I have experience with new schools, so I'm happy to support that where I can and work with central office.
0: Do you find that the fact that now you've done it and you've done it very, very well, people Mm. go, oh, he's the man?
1: Yes. I mean, uh, obviously that that is the case. I I suppose for them it's a no-brainer. And, you know, it is exciting for me. I mean, I, I tend to be in a situation where i guess i wouldn't say I, I get a little bit stale i don't think that's the case but 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 there's nothing as invigorating as a new school project i mean you're thinking on your feet the whole time perhaps less so as 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 you as you, as you as a group become better at doing it and i think you know for jashan and nantong i think we have a really fantastic team who are going to be um you know organising that so I think um you know I'm, I'm, like i say i 'm look, I'm looking forward to it. I know those two schools are going to be absolutely brilliant when they
0: open, yeah, with your name at the top, definitely
1: well, it won 't be my name <laughs> at the top, but thank you anyway
0: <laughs> well the, the The whole thing has changed. I mean, Joy was in uh, fairly recently, mm. and she talked about you 'll notice she showed us the the projections and pictures of what these two schools were going to look like, yeah, and she said you 'll notice the visibly different from the current schools Mm. and that's that's a move forward is it
1: yes well yes I mean it is a move forward and I think what we have now is we 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 have a lot more um, clarity on what we want in new schools and, and and to have that quality Um, and and to have agreed as a group about what we think works in those schools is is, is a major step forward because it it, it makes it a lot easier when you're developing a new school rather than saying, okay what sort of chairs should we have, what sort of colours on the walls should we have and and, and such questions. It's already there. So, again, that makes our jobs a lot easier.
0: Yeah, because you you said uh, people don't understand the amount of work because you you were here before the doors were even open in this particular school, weren't you?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I and the founding team and, and, and those from Central Office, we were here um, working in the Transfire building, so so that's um, just across the street. And then we moved into the nursery, because the nursery was the first building to be finished, so we had our offices in there for, for several months. Um, and it wasn't really until about a month before the children came that we were able to come into this part of the building. And even you look at this room now, I mean, Baz, your jukebox studio you know yourself that we didn't have um, you know, the, the correct soundproofing on the <laughs> walls until you came and kindly showed us, showed us how it's done. But even then, I mean, that's an improvement for Jiaxing and Nantong, because now we know how to do that properly. So, you know, when we move into there, it'll already be done. We'll have our jukebox studios ready to rock and roll, um, and it's already there and fitted out. Great,
0: great. Yeah, it was interesting because it was a bit like being in a toilet, <laughs> Sound wise,
1: well, yes, yeah. But then, we, we, you know, we didn't have the expertise at the time, but now, now we do.
0: But what you said, and you, you've said it in uh, things you've written on your daily brief, and mm. and in conversations, and out when, when you're doing assemblies, and writing to the parents as well. You, mm. We we don't st- s- sit on our laurels. We can always improve.
1: I think we all recognise that, um, and we also recognise that that nobody is bigger than the school including me. Or the schools. So, um, yes, we, we have to keep improving. We want to be as, as good as we can be. We'll never be perfect, but it, unless we strive um, to be the best we can, we'll, 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 never, we'll, we'll never keep improving. So we have to recognise where we've made mistakes and, and, and move on from those uh, and, and work together to, to make, yeah, as I say, to make the school the best it possibly can be. I'm going to pin you, uh,
0: put you on the spot a mm. bit, actually. You've been here how many years now?
1: Three years. Is,
0: does that include the, 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 the... That
1: includes the founding year. So the school's been open now for two academic years. This is the beginning of our third academic year. Um, so a bit a bit over three years for me.
0: This might be difficult. Can you pick something that you really will take away from here and say, that is great?
1: Uh wow, there, there, there is so much. Um, and I think it's easy to forget all the, all the triumphs in a way. I think for me, probably be COVID it's the accreditation. So we were the first bilingual school to get accreditation with with COBIS, the Council of British International Schools. And I'll be honest, they came here almost, it felt to me, not expecting to be able to um, give us accreditation. And I think over the course of those four years, you know, we as a team completely changed their minds. They saw what a great school we are. And you can't get accreditation unless you are a, 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 a really quality functioning school. And there are 40-odd criteria, and over half of those what we call uh, are blue-ribbon status, which means that there are areas of the school that, that COBUS would recommend to other schools to come and see. And we talk about boarding. That was one of them. But it wasn't just boarding. Um, there are other areas as well. So for me, um, after only one year of operation... And at that time as well, in our third week of the second year, when we doubled the numbers of children, we doubled the numbers of staff, so we'd gone through induction, we'd done all of that, and still to be, the, to be then told, look, you are going to become accredited. Uh, I mean, that justified, I think, all the hard work that we'd done as a team.
0: I had uh, a lady in here from the COVID team. You did. I did. I did, and uh, she was great. I, I had a cl- mm. I had a class in, and she sat down there and she watched the, watched the teaching going on, and the, and, and there was a bit of peer teaching going on mm. where one of the, Joey was teaching some other okay, pupils ha- good, what to do good. and how to do it, and afterwards she said, "Wow, wow." And she went away and was was really I
1: said, oh but well, that's what we're all about. I mean dukebox is what we're about as a school or as a group of schools it's not just about um you know ac- academic and sitting there and and doing tests and exams it's about giving opportunities for children that they wouldn't normally have and I think you would agree when the children are here and they they take part in dukebox they've never seen that before they've never they 've never had that experience before
0: you know you talked about seeing the change in in pupils mm. well that the light goes on yeah and and yeah. they cuz when they first go and you ask them a question about making a decision about what about this what would you talk about and you can see them go mm-hmm. Ooh, but now mm. we've got you know and
1: and that's great and it's yeah. also linked to to independence which you know is one of our identities as well to give them that independence and to be honest if if there's one child over the last two years, who has really taken to it and it becomes a career for them or or even a hobby for them in the future, then I'd say it's all completely worth doing just for that one child, you know, to give them that opportunity. Very true.
0: Now then, let's have a look at your... Well, this is a good one.
1: Uh... <laughs> what is it? Oh, Sinead O'Connor. It is. Yes. Now, I, I, don't know why, I don't know why I like this song. I mean, on the version I've got, she actually starts singing out of tune and for some perverse reason, I actually quite like that. But um, it's, just, it's just a good song, that's all I can say. It's just a good song from an era when I was really getting into Sinead O'Connor, so no other, no other reason than that.
0: A bit at the end. I liked it
1: all actually, but it's, uh, it's a great song. Why well,
0: you, did you just picked it? Because you, you. I know. just love
1: it. I just, I just love the beat, the rhythm, the energy. Um, you know, if you're a bit down, that's the song. If I'm a bit down, that's the song I probably play.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've got a song that that I play when I'm when mm. I'm down. Uh, 1812.
1: Oh, <laughs>
0: the whole thing. I love it. It's just.
1: <laughs> I remember playing that in an orchestra, and uh, you know the cannons that go off. The only way they could do it because you can't get cannons into the into the concert. Is they have these balloons that were filled with some gas and they were in a metal sort of tank and they would burst the balloons every time the cannon goes off and it was the first time they did it in the rehearsal, they burst about five balloons at the same time by accident and you had these because it was an amateur youth orchestra and you had these kids crying their eyes out because it was such a such a shock.
0: <laughs> Lesson to be learned there. Uh, I did see the eighteen twelve performed by tanks firing the oh, the wow. guns. That was that was brilliant. That, that good. was it. That was in Tidworth, right?
1: Uh, yeah, we yeah. were talking about that earlier. We, we were, were. You were in Tidworth and I was in Lark Hill, it's, just up the road. It's spooky, isn't it,
0: how our, our paths have been that. Like, and my mm. daughter lives in Brighton. Oh, okay. And, and we I go there a lot. And, I live uh, there as well. Yeah, just uh, running parallel. Lives running parallel and you don't know. Now then, my guest is Paul. And Paul is the executive master of the Wellington College China Hangzhou Campus, Yes. Uh, of when it, Yes, of, yeah. of the Hangzhou campus I until Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I always have trouble with the titles. Uh, and you're going to uh, central office. Yeah, I'm
1: going to work with central office. Um, I mean, I'll be moving on Friday, so actually moving on Sunday and a few days, and then it's the holidays, the Golden Week holidays, so I'll be in the office from the 12th of October. But, um, you know, coming back here to support if I can, if needed, um, but, ma- yeah, mainly based in central office and working with those guys on the new schools. Pouring over
0: drawings, I suppose.
1: I guess so, yeah, pretty much so. You know, looking at where the plug sockets go and making sure we've got enough of those and that type of thing. I, very exciting.
0: I always find that no matter how many you put in somewhere, there's you always want extra. You never have enough.
1: <laughs> well, with our new plans, I'm confident we will do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, we've had, I've had a great time. I certainly hope no, you've been it. No, it's been
1: lovely. Thanks so much for inviting me. It's we're, been brilliant. We're not finished yet because we've got the final final challenge. Yeah, save the best till last. And tell us about it. Um, well I like David Bowie as, as you do as well lots of people do and he has some fantastic songs and his last two albums I thought were just just groundbreaking as well but this is a bit of an older song and um, you know it doesn't get played very often um, but wild is the wind again I can't tell you why I like it I think it just builds up and builds up and builds up and the last You know, the last few uh, moments of the song are just absolutely fantastic, absolutely staggering for me. So, yeah, one of my all-time favourites, Wild as the Wind, David Bowie.
2: Your life Life. itself
0: Fabulous choice of music. Now, my guest, what a guy! I really enjoyed doing, enjoyed the music, and enjoyed having a good chat. And hope you did too. We we got to turn it into a podcast, and we'll put all the music details down. So as if if you like the tracks, which I'm sure you will. I certainly did not know a lot of them, and I I'm, I'm a I'm a fan now. Uh, anyway, our guest, my guest, was Paul Rogers, the founding executive master, Wellington College Hangzhou. And he's he's leaving at the end of this week. Um, I'm personally going to miss him because he's uh, oh, he's he's great. But so too is Kath. So you know, life goes on, doesn't it? it? Does indeed. So thank you very much indeed, Paul, giving your time and your music and the insight into your life. I enjoyed it very much indeed.